And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Well, hey, 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 happy Friday live, October 30th. If you're listening and watching live, my name is Tony Gapastone. Welcome to the Brave Maker Film Fest and online experience. Everybody, I'm Christina Jackson. Welcome to the show. This is our second live today. So Christina and I have been hanging together and we have another event after this. This is super fun. We like to pack it in and pack it out. Uh, But we love good stories (laughs) and we love good storytellers. And uh, so if you are a part of our Brave Maker subscriber list, you would have gotten an email with this really great film that we are going to be highlighting today. And before we bring on the filmmaker, the writer and director, make sure you go to bravemaker.com slash buzz to get on this list because there are free movies, free movies happening on the regular. And then we're hosting these really cool conversations with people that are telling brave stories. We believe brave stories can change the world and film is one of the best and most powerful mediums to do this. So with no further ado, I get to use my Spanish a little bit today to welcome Miguel (laughs) Angel Caballero. Bienvenidos, Miguel. Hi, Tony. All right. Hi, Christina. <laughs> Thanks for Hi, having Miguel. me. Absolutely. Yeah, Miguel. So, Miguel, this film uh, also has a beautiful name that I want to be able to say, Aquizaramo. But I say yes. it a little bit of, with an Italian accent, too. A little bit of a hint of Italian. Yeah, yeah it's Italian. Italian there. <laughs> it's a little Italian. But it's Aquizaramo. Mex- yeah, it's a town in Mexico. And tell us uh, about this film and... Um, then we're going to watch a trailer. So tell us about Aquizaramo. So this story takes place in the town of Aquizaramo, which is in the state of Michoacan in Mexico. And it's the story of Salvador, an elder who loses his partner uh, of 15 years. So he calls his partner's estranged son who lives in Chicago and tells him one, that his father is dead and two, that his father was gay. So his son makes the journey for his father's funeral. And these two characters are challenged to see if through empathy, love and understanding, they could bridge an emotional uh, and a, a class gap because they're very different people and a generational gap as well. And that's the story of Aquitaramo. Yeah, great. Let's watch this one minute trailer to refresh our minds. And I love that you did. You did tackle a lot of layers and a lot of subtext in a very short amount of time. So here is the one minute trailer for Aquizaramo. Stand by. Thank you. 
That, oh my goodness, that is so beautiful. I want to say I, I've seen the, the short. And with this is one of the first shorts that I've seen within the first couple of minutes. I was already in tears. And that is so rare for me. Um, I, I was in a relationship with a woman from Guadalajara for 15 years. So a lot of the story really resonated with me. Whenever we would visit Mexico, there was always like this unspoken where our relationship wasn't acknowledged and people referred to me as su amiga, su amiga. And, but they wouldn't really acknowledge, you know, that we were together and we weren't supported and celebrated the way that everyone wants to be. Uh, watching Sal go through this, it just was like, ugh. and you really captured the loneliness of it and the difficultness of it. Can you tell us about the story? Uh, I'm sorry, you kind of, how the story came about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So I actually grew up in the town of Acuiteramo. Uh, it's in the state of Michoacan. So I split my time until I was 14 from Acuiteramo in the U.S. And I remember growing up there, um, you know, there was a lot of elders that were single and that they just, you know, the, the story was that they just never really found anybody that, you know, to marry. And as I, you know, became an adult and, and, and started reflecting back and, you know, accepted myself as a gay man, I started thinking about all these elders that were single in this town and wondering if, if they really didn't find anybody to marry or if they just couldn't be with the person they actually loved because they were gay. And the story kind of came from there and it evolved. And, and that's pretty much where the story, the inception of, of the story came from. It's really this beautiful, first of all, Aquitoramo is a beautiful town. I mean, when the, I'm assuming it was a drone, comes about the church building and the bells, it's like very breathtaking, the yes. the way that you make this town look. And, you know, it's so, so cliche to say this, but the fact that this city is a character is really powerful and the culture is a character. And you talk about the class and the differences. Which now we have, so we need to bring in your crew and your cast because we have, yes. which is so great. We don't always get this. We don't always get actors, producers, and cinematographers. So why don't you introduce your your cast and crew here? Sure. So we have the the cinematographer is Philippe, uh, who it did an amazing job, and he's responsible for the look of the film, which everybody everybody compliments. Um, we have uh, the lead actor Sal Lopez, who played the role of Salvador. Um, and we also have the lead actor, Luis Aldana, and he's also producer on the film and uh, my writing partner. Fantastic. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, Sal, you are something to behold uh, in this film. And yeah, I'd love to just have you talk about playing such uh, a nuanced role, a, a man who's losing the loss of his partner, of his male partner in a culture that doesn't recognize LGBTQ relationships. I mean, just the fact that you have this moment on screen is so powerful here. Uh, how did you get there? What was happening? Talk to us about the building <laughs> of this character and who he is. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's a real tragedy for people. Uh, I'm sure that some people are still living that way and living that life and the hidden life. And I think, you know, we wanted to get to the crux of that uh, that authenticity, you know, in terms of representing the characters both in, uh, in a real sense and also uh, uh, have have them speak this truth and um, and and be authentic, not just to, you know, like you said, you know, it made it made such a big 
difference being on location at this little town that you know you could see people that I was portraying you could see them there and so it wasn't that uh, much of a stretch to to uh, you know bring that reality to to the performance and and also just with you know the vision I mean it was all in the script and I think you know with uh, Miguel's vision and and uh, Philippe's beautiful cinematography and 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 Luis, of course, working across Luis, it just all came together. You know, everything was right. We were, we did this in a in a, over a weekend. We flew down there and just uh, became part of the town, and we bonded also just as a crew and a cast. And so that had a lot to do with it. That we were all on this mission to do this, tell this story. We had some crew from Mexico City, so we had Mexicans, we had Mexican Americans. You know, and it was really kind of a unifying uh, way to bring these all this talent together to create something really beautiful that we believed in. Some of the karma was on our favor, you know. For instance, the uh, scene in the in the cemetery it was it was decorated. That's the way we found it, and uh, because at that time they it was just a stroke of luck that that uh, that it was basically dressed. You know, and uh, just a lot of little incidences that happened that were just um, coincidental and worked out in our favor. Yeah, that scene in the cemetery is pretty cool. So that was that was not designed on your half. You just have, <laughs> happened into it. <laughs> actually, actually, Philippe designed the whole thing. There. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was out there placing on. <laughs> we actually, uh, Philippe, Luis, and I went in 2018 before we shot the film to location scouting. We went into the cemetery and it had this this sort of heaviness, this kind of dry patches, and it was just very sort of dark. And I thought, you know what, we could we could use this. It, this is good. So we show up for the actual shoot, and they had just done this this holiday or this tradition where they just dress it up. And me and Philippe were like, holy crap, what is this? And we're like, okay, this is gonna look great too. So we had to just roll with the punches. Beautiful. I mean, if I, if I don't remember, if, if I remember correctly, I think this, all the decorations were remnants of uh, Dia de los Muertos from November of uh, 2018. Yeah, so I think so. We, we, we got lucky. What a beautiful happenstance. That's incredible, yeah. that shot is just stunning. Let's talk about the the look of the film, Philippe, cinematographer. Yeah. You had some beautiful colors to work with, but what was your thinking? I mean, we also have people who love hearing about lenses and gear and stuff, so don't shy away from that, too. We'd love to hear that kind of thing, but talk about your perspective as a cinematographer. I mean, honestly, I was just kind of the co-pilot to Miguel's meticulous plan that he had. So when it came down to, you know, choosing my shots and angles, it's just literally opening your eyes and, you know, finding a, sim finding a symmetry in a town that literally has no symmetry. Everything is slightly off. You know, they painted the house right before we got there. And it was basically just me getting to know this town as I'm shooting it. Hey, look over there, there's a beautiful fruit stand. Let's shoot that. Hey, you know, let's just working with everything. But I always say this, a lot of the work was done for me. It's a beautiful place and <laughs> on the cameras and, you know, capture these moments. And, you know, I couldn't be prouder of how it looks, but I have to say that the stage, like they said, was, was, was meant for us to shoot this story there. And so Luis, uh, someone who 
participated as an actor and producer and co-writer. You are very much dialed in. What's something that you think when you look back that was, I like hearing highlights, of course, but what's something that you learned along the way about your craft? No matter how long we're in this business of entertainment, there's always things that we're learning and you're a triple threat or quadruple threat. <laughs> what are things that you learned in this process of making this story? I mean, you know, and, and to clarify, uh, I didn't co-write this with uh, with Miguel and I have co are co-writing other things, but Miguel did write Not this, this one. Not this one, gotcha. Right, right. Um, but yeah, you know, um, thank you. You know, um, it's, it's, you're always learning. You're always, you're constantly as an actor, as a producer, you know, a person wearing multiple hats in with a tight budget, you know, but one of the things, you know, uh, speaking about the craft, you know, that, that, that sort of got ratified for myself and, and really a lesson, you know, lesson that I learned and, and being across, literally being across a table of, you know, one of the, I think one of the sort of most talented actors, you know, working now and, and really just being present and listening. You know, I, I, I took many cues from just Sal, you know, and being, being present, being in the moment and and really the rehearsal period also another another huge sort of uh thing that that we you know can't be can't be emphasized enough you know the the notion of of prepping and prepping and and knowing that we were stepping into into a three-day shoot and that we were gonna uh sort of our pie you know our little cr uh, pirate crew came into this town and we were together for three hours and we knew that once those I mean, the three days, and once those three days were gone, everyone was literally gonna disappear. You know, Sal was flying back, everyone was flying back. Miguel and I stayed a few days to sort of wrap everything up. But uh, we knew that that, that rehearsal period uh, between Miguel, Sal, and myself was crucial. And, and that's another thing that, that I think I learned, you know, how, how important uh, taking advantage of that time and, and finding the nuances and, 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 and listening. More than more than anything, I I would say listening listening to, to to Sal, the person that I'm that I'm playing with, and and also listening to to Miguel's, you know, like like uh, Philippe said, meticulous, and 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 very specific direction. I think is 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 something that 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 I continue to expand on and definitely learned in this process. So I'm going to ask one question to Sal, then I'll turn it over to Christina. So Luis talking about listening and acting and process, you know, that's a very common thing actors talk about, you know, acting is reacting. Uh, and you, Sal, have had a very long career. <laughs> you have had many, many roles in film and TV. Uh, curious for you to share about what some of your highlight roles have been in your past as a uh, Latinx actor and performer, <laughs> things have changed and things have grown and you have seen a lot of changes. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your career highlights and things that you've learned as a performer along the way. Things have changed quite a bit. I mean, I think there's a lot more opportunity now and doors are opening. And I think, uh, you know, I would, sometimes I say I would love to start now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, it is what it is, you know. Um, uh, well, this is definitely one of my favorite roles. You know, it's it, it was it's something that I could sink my teeth into. That was a uh, you know uh, a real important role. You know, sometimes some, these things are rare. You know, that come that come by that are really uh, 
a substantive and also just uh, have something so much to say, you know. Um, but my gosh, I mean, I've, I, I have had some a, a few roles that are that I really enjoyed. I I played uh, Edward James Olmos's father in American Me, and that was a real uh, a real challenge because I aged from like seventeen to like you know someone in his fifties, and uh, that was a real challenge. And under under Eddie's uh, you know guidance, that was that was a, a, a different experience because. Uh, uh, just to totally different. I, I was in a, a my my one of my big movie that I you know a Full Metal Jacket. Even though I don't have a big role in it, I was there in England when we shot that. Uh, work, working with Stanley Kubrick was uh, you know a, an experience of a lifetime, and yeah, and and we were there. Or I was there for a, a, almost a year, of shooting. So that was a whole experience that I, we you know I could talk to you hours about just that that experience you know we should have you back because i <laughs> that was really exciting when i looked you up on imdb which you should look up sal lopez we'll put if you're listening on the replay on the podcast we'll put his imdb link but you all have fingers you could do it uh he's been in like over 130 some pictures and when i saw full metal jacket i was like dang that is so cool what a what a yeah. history you have what a legacy yeah. so how cool that you are not above short films because some people scoff at short films and we at Brave Maker, we love short films. We, are, we think they're, they're so powerful. Miguel's film, like this is just a great example of the power of storytelling, the power of a little short story, 15 minutes long to make you think, to open eyes, to impact culture. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Sal, for saying yes mm -hmm. to short films and Miguel for writing and Luis for producing and Philippe for uh, shooting it. But yeah. let's keep this conversation yeah. going. Christina, what do you wanna know next? So, Luis, you touched on a little bit how crucial it was, the rehearsal. I'm an actor. I'm new to the industry. I'm just taking acting classes. Now I'm studying the Meisner technique. If you guys could book uh, Luis and Sal, I will start with Luis. Dig in a little bit. If you're comfortable with, tell us a little bit about the emotional preparation you did for your character to play a green son. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, um, it's been really rare is the is the is the moment where you could actually reprise uh, a role you know um there's another our first our first short film uh under Cab the cabaldana alchemy banner which is miguel and and my uh, production company uh a year prior we we did uh broken sunflower hearts where i played the same character uh so technically this move, Aquitzeramo, uh, the way we sort of conceptualize the, the, the narratives is the prequel to Broken Sunflower Hearts. I mean, the films stand on their own and, and you know, some people know that, that the films are narratively connected, but, but to answer your question, Christina, I mean, I think uh, being immersed in the world of Anthony for literally two years and, and, and delving into the, the, the nuanced, uh, realities of 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 myself and and what would have what what would it be like to really have that experience? You know what what is my the, my, the you know and, and it's weird to talk about method whatever, but the thing that that I use that that has served me and that works for me is the 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 notion of of, of um, imagination. You know and really deep dive what that is every every detail every 
sort of emotional little crevice that you have to be able to access, you know, to really create the history so that when you are in front of the camera and when you're on set and when you only have uh, an hour or 30 minutes to get, you know, a page, uh, everything goes out the window and you just have to really trust that all that work that you did prior uh, shows up. And if, and if, and if, you have done the work and 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 you've actually taken the moment to to create whatever that that mental space is uh more often than not the 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 work does show up and so so i think mm -hmm. we were we were lucky to 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 have that and again the rehearsals really really helped we were able to figure out some details even in the dialogue and look that picture that you're showing there i mean i'll tell you that that's an interesting sort of anecdote that not a, a lot of people know that picture is actually myself and my father, oh. um, and my father, uh, coincidentally enough, uh, my father disappeared when I was a, a little boy. I was maybe seven or eight years old. Um, and to this day, you know, I'm in my mid forties now and we don't know what happened. And this, this strange thing happened when Miguel and I were sort of prepping everything, getting ready to fly into, uh, get to Michoacan. Um, and we were finally on set. Everything's moving at 100 miles an hour. You know, um, we're, we're, you know, getting ready to shoot that scene. And, and I remember sort of looking at the picture and it's sort of the reality set, you know, that that I was like, oh, my God. And I called him over, you know, in a in a in a in a moment sort of where where things were sort of we were about to get ready. Philippe is doing his thing. Sal's doing his thing. And I call him over and I said, Miko, isn't it strange that I'm, I'm looking at this picture and literally, you know, art imitates life, life imitates art. I don't know how to explain it, but, and you know, Miguel and I go back 20 years. So, you know, uh, we know our, each other's history very intimately. And, and, and I said, isn't that weird, man, that I'm sitting here talking to this, to this uh, Im, you know, imagined character who had a relationship with my father that went missing when I was a child. And here I am looking at this picture that that's actually what happened in my life, you know? So it was this weird, wonderful, poetic, you know, uh, symmetric, I don't know. It was, it was, and, and like Sal says, you know, I think everything came together in such a beautiful way that, that we were open to, to actually receive those special gifts that you do receive from the ethos, from the muses that, you know, present mm -hmm. and you, and you go with it, you know? So, so, so that was something that, that I think was really special uh, in, in playing uh, Anthony in, in, in Aquitzeramo. Just go with it. I love it. That's beautiful. Sal? Uh, I would just say, Christina, you know, that uh, you're, you're, you're studying Miser right now. And, and uh, sometimes we get caught up um, with, you know, trying to create a character. And uh, it, for me, it's not about creating the character. You are the character, you know. And so it's just you in that situation with all the elements, you know, with all the circumstance. And it's all on the page, you know. For me, uh, that's where it starts. Uh, who is this person? Well, it's on the page. It should be anyway. And, and, and then the next thing is, what is this person on the page? You, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? What is it that you're fighting for uh, as a character in every scene? And then there's a there's a something throughout the script that you're trying to achieve or try to get to. There's something that's motivating you. What is it? And then 
like I said, for me, it's 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 one thing, right? That 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 you that the character has he has in in the script, and then in the scenes, there's certain things that that character needs or wants from the other person, etc. In in those scenes, so just don't lose sight of you know you're not creating this character somewhere. You're it is you that you are mm-hmm. you are playing this person. It's you. And we're all so different. We bring our unique nuance to whoever that character is. And uh, you assume, you know, when we see you playing that character, that's who you are. That, you know, what color eyes you have, what color hair you have. That's that's who it is. It's nobody else. Masterclass. Acting masterclass here. I'm digging this. I'm digging this. Miguel, I want to ask you as writer and director... You know, I sent this to my good buddy, uh, Matt. I'll just, I'll just applaud him. Uh, he is with dating a man from Guadalajara. And both of them were formerly married to women. Uh, and both of them had to deal with the stigmas of coming out and being gay. And these types of stories, like Aquizoramo, is obviously it's reflective of the pain and the stigmas and the oppression that comes on LGBT LGBT people. That's one thing I'd love to have you just share about. But two, there's also this hope, right? There's a hopefulness in this film that I think and hope instills for the future. So talk about that. Talk about your reflection for the past and sort of your hope for the future regarding this story. Yeah, so that's one of the things that we were clear, um, because Luis, although I wrote it, Luis has always been there every step of the way, you know, giving me notes and guiding me along the way. But one of the things that we were very clear is that we wanted to make this film hopeful. You know, when, when LGBTQ community started having a voice in film, like in the early 2000s or so that films were coming out, a lot of the stories were sort of tragic, they would end up in tragedy, you know? And I think mm-hmm. me, myself as a filmmaker, I want to go beyond that. And yes, sometimes it's very difficult what we go through, but in my work that I do, I want to give hope. And I don't think for being a gay man or, or you know, uh, uh, in the LGBTQ community, you, your life has to end in tragedy. So I'm trying to flip that in the work that I do. And even it's very subtle in Aquiceramo and you have the character of Salvador walking up a street and very consciously that was chosen because he was ascending. And then you have the super machista coming in a horse and that is your typical like man, you know what I mean? If somebody's gonna be homophobic against you, it will be him. And as he's going by him, he says, you know, keep your spirits up, Salvador. So that was the town starting to accept them. So the whole journey of Salvador was that you know, he starts off, it's a homophobic town. They don't really like him. They don't really understand him. And there's a lot of, you know, resistance about him. But this man, he has a big heart. He has integrity and he just accepts himself and keeps being himself. And all of a sudden you get a glimpse that this is going to change and the town is about to change because he has stood his ground and he's, he's, he's accepting himself. So that's, um, you know, that was very clear in terms of the, the hope you speak of. Um, that we wanted to have in the story. The other thing, I, I don't think you asked this, but I want to bring it up. I think, you know, Philippe is very, very modest in saying that, you know, the town did his work. It is very beautiful, but, you know, he's an excellent DP and he brought something that I really wanted in the film. And, you know, because Salvador is blue collar, working class, you know, living on the verge of poverty, 
I didn't want to portray him in a very gritty handheld camera, you know, like this man is like grit, which is often what, you know, blue collars are, are, are portrayed as. I wanted this to be beautiful. I wanted to portray him with integrity, you know, with the beautiful man that he is. And Philippe, I think, captured all that and more in terms of simple shifts in the camera that he would do to give me like a really beautiful frame. A lot of the stuff that just looks so gorgeous, it was exactly what I was wanting for this film. And I think Philippe really, really captured that in every single scene of the film. That is my favorite. That's one of my favorite parts when he's passing the man on the horse and he says, Animo Salvador, and he says, Gracias. It just, oh my God, I love that. It felt hopeful. It was like, wow. You know, it's yeah. a really beautiful ending. Yeah. And I was just no, no. noticing. I just wanted to say that while you were showing that right now, I saw the smoke there and I remember <laughs> Philippe being very, Philippe, very, you know, making sure that we, whoever the, the smoke was, making the smoke, we had to reshoot every time because Miguel want that smoke in there. But it works, it works beautifully. Tell him the story, Philippe. I, I always tell the story because, you know, to people who watch the film, it seems like we had a fogger right outside the frame. Yeah. <laughs> and it was planned, and we're like, okay, cue the smoke. <laughs> they, the neighbor was burning their trash right next to where we were shooting. <laughs> so in, instead of you know, being like, we can't shoot here, we have to find somewhere else, we're like, great, let's run with it. Let's give the shot some, some atmosphere. <laughs> you watch it, and it looks beautiful, but it's burning trash, <laughs> going past the frame. It, another another beautiful happy gift that was given to us by the mm -hmm. town regardless of whether it was burning trash or not <laughs> and that was actually our last shot of the of the entire shoot well we had a couple pickups but that was our last major shot and i remember as i was looking at playback i was a little bit concerned i'm like is this smoke too much i wasn't really convinced <laughs> so i needed to get philippe's opinion and then i'm like philippe can you check this out he saw it he like Oh my God, we're done. This is amazing. I'm like, all right, we're yeah, done. It's amazing. This up. Yeah. <laughs> it's so authentic. You can't make that stuff up. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, Robertino, who's one of our programmers who's responsible for finding this beautiful film for us, is saying how beautiful it is, a story, and uh, what wishes you uh, well. Thank you for your great work, muchachos, and uh, my friend Matt. Uh, who I just showed, I was actually watching. I didn't even know he was watching right now. So he says, thanks for the shout out and joining this conversation. So if you are watching live and you do have any comments or questions for our cast and crew, we have a few more minutes with them. But I would love for you all, um, you know, in our remaining minutes to just speak to, we always like to say, you know, brave makers about paving, braving your own way. You can't just wait around, right, for someone to believe in you, to believe in your idea, to tell your story. You've got to get out there and do it. Sounds like you did this. I mean, I would never have imagined it was done in a weekend. It looks like it took a lot longer. Um, but let's start with you, Miguel. What do you want to say to all those who are wanting to tell their story or afraid? What? How do they conquer their obstacles? What would you encourage them to do to get out I mean, and break in this industry? There, there's different aspects in terms of, you know, quote unquote, telling your story. But, but the one that I always, always advocate is writing your story first. And that only really happens when you actually, you know, at, before when I was kind of creating a lot of stories, I was like, I need inspiration. I need to wait for inspiration. I need to take a trip. I need to go to the beach. I'll write when I'm inspired. I was just waiting for inspiration. And all of a sudden, you know, we started studying with this mentor. Her name is Diana Castle, which is phenomenal. 
And she really kind of instilled in, in our mind that, you know, you need to have a schedule. Uh, you know, every art, if you're a pianist, you practice every single day. If you are play the violin, if you're a gymnast, you practice every single day. But sometimes us as creatives, we are looking out here for inspiration. So once I shifted my schedule and I recommend it for everybody that is a creative and is, you know, searching that inspiration. Once I shifted my schedule from writing 7.30 to 10.30 a.m. every single day, all of a sudden my inspiration kind of started shifting and I started becoming inspired between 7.30 and 10.30 a.m. So what I would, would really, really kind of encourage everybody is to set a schedule and give yourself that time, even if you just sit there and nothing happens for three hours, you did your work. Inspiration didn't come, but you did your work and you showed up. And I really encourage that. And there's also this beautiful book called um, the 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 uh, war of art, um, not to be confused with the art of war. This is the war of art on how we sabotage ourselves in our own creative ways, and we make excuses that you know we convince ourselves not to tell our stories. And I encourage everybody out there: we all have beautiful stories inside of us that need to be told. So to just nurture ourselves and kind of give us a space to be able to to start bringing these stories out on paper, and that would be my advice to to folks that wanted to tell their stories right on thank you sal what's your advice that's a great advice uh, i you know i think you know so many times we're uh uh just piggybacking on on what miguel said i for the longest time i i always said you know well uh what if this doesn't work? This doesn't work out. What's my backup plan? What's my backup plan? You know, and I always was very conscientious of having another job or whatever. And I and I and you know, I have family. I mean, I, I raised two two children, my my wife and and two children. And uh, so when I started having a family, it, be, it be, became uh, more and more. I had responsibilities, you know, a home, etc. So you have to pay bills and that kind of thing. And you really start to second guess your decisions in terms of, you know, how are you going to do it? And I think uh, you just have to persevere. You know, you have to persevere. And sooner or later, things will happen for you. But you do have to prepare yourself because when those opportunities present themselves and, and you're not ready, then it's going to be a wasted opportunity. But if you're ready, sometimes timing is everything. You know, something happens and you're there and you're prepared. And, uh, and, and that's why I guess I've been able to make a career out of this. And it took me a long time also, probably not for younger, the younger generation, but because I came from a different generation where I really, there wasn't uh, a lot of people that I could look up to, um, I, I didn't it took me a long time to consider myself an artist. And uh, when I finally did, it really transformed my thinking and my uh, approach to the work, to the craft. And it became fun, you know. And to this day, I mean, I, I really enjoy what I do. I have a passion for it. I still enjoy it very much, you know. I love being on the set. I'm still in wonderment every time I go on a set whether it's theater or film, I, I go and touch the walls to see what they're made of, you know. I, I just am fascinated by it. And I, and I think we have to 
it, it's a way to preserve. You have to hold on to that wonderment. You don't have to hold on. I'm saying, if you're an artist and you want to create, it's 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 that's that's a, a, a something that you can use. You know. I like that. Hold on to the wonderment too. That's a great quote. Hold on to the wonderment, Luis. What do you have to say? Um, look, I, I, you know, I agree with everything Miguel and, and Sal have said, you know, and, and you brought up something that, that, that has been sort of at, at, you know, at the, I, I would say at the nucleus of the way Miguel and, and myself have worked as a collaborative for many years is this notion of, of not waiting, you know, uh, I think specifically as, 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 uh, as actors, you know, as, and even writers, you know, I've, I've had both those experiences as a producer as well as filmmakers. I think there's this notion that we have to wait and and sort of get chosen out of out of, you know, thousands of people that you're going to go and, and sort of uh, have this opportunity with a director or whatever or, or, or this producer or this project. And the idea of waiting, waiting to be chosen, waiting to to, to for somebody to 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 say you're valid or you're or you're you're good enough to be part of this project there has to be a moment where i feel as as artists as actors as writers as producers as directors we have to just say i i have to create that moment for myself i have to create that opportunity for myself for ourselves and 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 like i said that's that's a philosophy that that uh, i've I've uh, adopted, I subscribe to that, that Miguel has adopted and also subscribes to. And, and I would say that that was a, a game changer for me. The, the idea of, of not waiting and not, and not waiting for somebody to say, I pick you, you know, it, it, the, the, the sort of the paradigm became is I pick myself and this is my crew and this is who I'm going to do this with. And, and, and we're going to do something great, you know, because the, the passion has to be there. Like Sal said, the wonderment is always there, and 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 I would I would just say that you know I, I would say for any any creative any filmmaker uh, out there that's that's watching this the the idea of being brave you know being bring a brave maker you know go out there and 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 do it for yourself. Yes, <laughs> I pick myself. I love that, Philippe. <laughs> Philippe, what do you have to say? My main thing that I literally learned on this project is. Be very, very careful about the projects that you choose to do. I was very apprehensive to do this project at first just because of the whole taboo nature of going into a very, very kind of conservative, kind of old school mentality uh, area and put it all out there. And basically, you know, as we're doing it and afterwards, as I see, I go, if you're not pushing the envelope or if you're not, you know, scratching or crossing the line of like, are we allowed to say this? Should this be uh, talked about? If your project is not on that cusp, then, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? I think going forward, everything that I want to shoot is no longer, let's make it just to make it. The, for me personally, as a, you know, cinematographer, artist, whatever is, you know, tell your story. Don't wait for tomorrow, tell it today and be as raw as possible. When Miguel asked me to do this project, he goes, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? I don't need any permission from anyone. And honestly, you know, this story, the, the, this film, the more and more I watch it, it's heavy. It's heavy because it, it is. And, you know, nine out of 10 things we watch on Netflix are kind of just entertainment pieces. 
and I'm I'm a big big uh, advocate for like I said tell things that push the envelope for you personally and for others for the unsung hero you know we're we're a lot more than filmmakers we're we're, we're we can we can push an agenda we can speak for those who don't normally you're that's I love that be as raw as possible that yeah I, I agree if we're not telling stories yes I mean don't get us wrong uh, entertainment is is important escapism is important right we need to laugh and we need to cry and if we can also do those things for entertainment that also get under our skin make us feel uncomfortable push the boundaries of what it looks like to be a more inclusive world a more accepting world a more compassionate world then boom we're hitting on all those cylinders so that's beautiful Philippe. Yeah. thank you all of you this was really really great we're so grateful to have you on our show today uh, if you're watching live uh, thank you so much. Please share this uh, on your social medias. Please share Akitzaramo, uh, the film and the website. We'll put it in our, our uh, show notes if you're listening on the podcast. And also go to our YouTube page. Uh, this will live. This, conversa this conversation will live there forever uh, in perpetuity. So you can uh, watch the archived version of this. And speaking of, we just made a short film with a lot of love for the Latinx community called Killer Couch. It's on our YouTube page today. It's only a six minute short film called Killer Couch. Yes, it's called Killer Couch, but it does have some heart and some love and it's raw, it pushes the envelope, especially for our Latinx uh, familia. So check it out because we send you much love and go vote. You need to vote on Tuesday, okay? If you haven't already, please vote. It's super important. Know that Brave Maker exists to tell these brave stories. Go to bravemaker.com. Join us. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. All of your donations help us continue to do this, have these festival screenings, help us uh, tell uh, brave stories that change culture, and help us continue to support artists like the team here that gave us and shared this great short film with us. So finally, again, thank you to all you filmmakers. We're super grateful for you. And we encourage you to keep making these films and come back, share whatever you do next, Miguel, and bring your, your awesome cast and crew with us. Any th final things you want to say as the writer director, Miguel, before we uh, sign uh, off? Hopefully we can all come back with the feature of Aquitaramo very soon. Nice. Yes. Is that the plan? Is that, that is the plan? the plan. Luis and okay. I are writing it at the moment. Yes. Is Felipe on board? I'm available. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> well, please and I second let us... that, Tony, about yeah. voting. Please vote. Yes. Vote, vote, vote. Vote, vote, vote. And if vote. Brave Maker can help in any way, please let us know. Our dream, if you're watching and listening, we want to be a film fund. We want to film fund filmmakers uh, like this team. We want to tell stories. We want our name on projects like this because we believe that film and stories are one of the most powerful mediums in the world to change culture. So I hope you do too. So Christina, we always sign off with this, brave stories change the world. And you are the story. Goodbye everybody. Right. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.